How's everyone doing tonight? How are you enjoying this sunny, beautiful, 70-degree weather we're having? No. Um, yes, thank you, Brooklyn, wherever she is, for the introduction. And as she said, my name is Jeff Godfrey. And I will be your speaker for tonight. Um, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be with you all. And I just have a quick, a quick little survey for you all. Who here has ever been dumb in their life? Raise your hand. Okay. Pretty much everyone. Everyone, everyone who didn't raise their hand is, in fact, a liar. And we all know where liars go. To Pizza Owls, because they lie about liking that, too. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Forgive me. Uh, pizza Owls, I can't, I can't get over it. Can't get over it. Um, yes, yeah, so something you may not know about me is that I went to high school. I know, crazy. Something you may actually not know about me is that when I was in high school, I missed at least once every two weeks, and I was tardy about 20-some days. And now, now hold on, hold on everyone, I know what you're thinking, but it's not true. There is a perfectly good explanation for all of this. I was lazy. <laughs> no, but I did, I lived in Clarksburg when I went to high school, and I had to ride the city buses to school, and they took about an hour um, for transit. And I went to school in Bridgeport. Number one high school in the state. Let that be known. Let that be known. Yes, take that, GW. Someone else said it for me, so I didn't have to. Yes, um, but school started at 7.50, and the bus dropped off at either 7 a.m., or 8 a.m. So this reason, along with the fact that I was lazy, is why I miss so much school. And one day, the vice president, vice president, sorry, no, Mike Pence had nothing to do with this. Um, the vice principal of the school heard about it, called me into his office and sat me down, and then began to tell me how many days I'd missed and he told me how many days I was tardy. And then he also said that the majority of these days were on Monday or Friday. And I was not shocked because <laughs> I had done these things. I am the George you're looking for, Mr. D'Amato. That was me. I, I had nothing to say. But, and then, in his kind, principal language, he began to tell me, Jeff, you're an idiot. <laughs> and, as a result of your stupidity, you're going to have to transfer to RCB. Yes, it's, there's nothing bad about RCB, but I didn't want to go because none of my friends were there. What, what is RCB? <laughs> it's a high school. It's just the high school in a different district. That's all it is. It's just a norm, normal old high school. Not the number one high school in the state, just a different one. 
Sorry, it's not like transit or anything. It's not prison. Um, but he told me if I didn't, he told me if I didn't change, that this is what I would have to do. And he knew, he knew I was a good student. I wasn't in detention very much. And I turned in all of my assignments. And he saw the potential for me to be a great student. And therefore, he decided to be honest with me and have this conversation. And although it hurt whenever he said it, it wasn't the most fun conversation. I wasn't in the office just kicking my feet back, eating a sandwich, drinking a Coke, watching SpongeBob. I was sweating. Um, I was very nervous because of the reality of what could happen. So it wasn't, it wasn't the most fun conversation, but he told me this because I needed to hear it. And my future was dependent on him saying these things. The outcome of my high school career, as well as my college career, was based on him saying the hard truths in my life. And that is what I want to talk about tonight, is valuing someone's future higher than their feelings. And if you have, been, if you have come to Chi Alpha at all this semester, you know that we are currently going through the book of Galatians as a part of our series titled Letters. Paul, Paul is someone who did this well. Paul is someone who saw the importance of people's future as greater than their feelings. And he had an eternity mindset, and therefore he was not afraid to speak the truth when it needed to be said. So let's look at a time when Paul spoke the truth in love in Galatians 4, 8 through 12. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to these weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me. So, just a little bit of backstory for this passage. The Galatians were being persuaded by a group of so-called Jewish leaders, and they had come in and began to lead the church of Galatia away from the gospel message that, that Paul had taught them and that they had received so well. And I just want to look in a little bit deeper to what Paul is saying. Much like my principal, he said, you are being stupid. He said, he didn't say it in those words. He was very kind and he was very gentle, but he was saying to them, you, you're messing up and what you're doing isn't right. And he, 
he can't comprehend in his mind how the church of Galatia could be doing so well, and then they could be so easily persuaded by these false teachers. And he can't wrap his mind around it, so he asks them, he says, do you want to be enslaved again? Do you want to go back to the bondage that you once knew? He, he cannot wrap his mind around why they would want such a path for their lives. And then, he, and then he goes on to say this. He says, I fear for you that I have somehow wasted my efforts on you. And even though he's not speaking to me, that kind of hurts. And I put myself in that position, and I think if there was someone that I respected saying these things, saying, Jeff, all this time over the past few years that we've spent, that I've discipled you, or that we've just come to be friends, all of it's wasted. None of, all of that was for naught. And there is nothing to gain from this. That, that's, that's hurtful. But he pleads for them to once again become like he is. The future of the church of Galatia is at stake, and that's why he's saying these things. But he isn't saying that the church is hopeless. He's saying if you continue on this path, then everything that we have fought for, that I have fought for for you, will be wasted. Once again, he's saying you can once again believe in the true gospel that I have spoken to you. And you can begin to set yourself on a better path. And your, your future does not have to look like the bondage that you once had. And the reason he can say such a, such a hurtful truth to them is because of the relationship that they had which he then goes on to speak about in verses 15 and 16. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth. We know, we know that this is not the first time Paul has ever s spoken to the Galatians. He had preached to them the gospel before, and they had taken it to heart, and also they had received Paul well. Paul, Paul was a friend to them, and we know this because of verse 15. It says, if you could have done so, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. First of all, it's a little bit intense. And also, it's not something you do for just anyone. I'm not going to go out into the street after Chi Alpha and come, go up to some random guy and say, Hey, you look like a fine fellow. Would you like my eyes? I'm not going to do that. Like, that is just, that's just absurd. Because I don't know that person. But Paul, but Paul was the friend. You don't do that for an enemy. 
you only friends have such high honor, and only friends can speak the hard truths. And also, with the friendship, it's apparent how much the Galatians cared about Paul, but it's a friendship, so that means it goes both ways. So Paul also cares a lot about the Galatians, and to show that, he wrote them a letter, uh, a fairly long letter, and he spent time with them. He pleaded for them, and he, he prayed for them for, on their behalf to Christ for their future. And you don't, you don't do all these things if you don't care for someone. You don't, you don't pray for someone, and you don't write a letter, and you don't visit and spend time with someone if you don't care about them. In one passage, in the first passage, we see that Paul loved the truth. He lays it in front of Galatians. He tells them the reality of what they're doing. And he doesn't ignore, he doesn't ignore anything. He doesn't say, yeah, it kind of seems like this, but it, that's not really what's happening. He tells them he tells them all. There's no sugarcoating. There's no mincing of words. He tells it like it is. And then in the next passage, we see that he truly loved. In verse 15, talking about the eyes, talking about gouging your eyes out, he truly loved the Galatians. He spent time with them, preached the gospel to them, and prayed to Christ on their behalf. And that is what it takes to truly care about someone's future. When both of them go hand in hand, truly loving and loving the truth, verse 16 makes a little bit more sense. When he says, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? The truth can sometimes be divisive and it can it can hurt your feelings, especially if the truth is that you're wrong. But Paul was willing to say these things because both of them were there, because he loved the truth and because he truly loved. And that is what we are to do as well. We must love the truth and we must truly love. And they have, they have to be connected because if they're not connected, they don't truly exist. If you love truth, but you don't truly love, then you become concerned with only the facts. The facts are what matters, and feelings, and they don't matter as much, but nothing else matters besides the facts. All the information you gather is useless because you don't care about the heart of others. You just want to be right. And on the other hand, if you truly love, but you don't love the truth, then you will overlook the reality of people's situations and say, yes, like, it seems like this is happening, but I don't know if that's the truth. And you kind of beat around the bush, and you love them, so you don't want to say anything that could hurt their feelings or anything that could come 
in between the relationship that you have with this person. But this, this is where the heart of tough conversations must be birthed out of. This is where speaking the truth in love must come from. It cannot come from a desire to be right. It cannot come from a position of, I'm hurt, so now I'm going to hurt you by saying things that, although they're truthful, are just meant to sting, are just meant to, to, to hurt someone else. So, the band can come back up as I say this last thing. And it's Galatians 4.20. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. So by reading this, it's obvious that Paul is not in the same place as the Galatians, because he's writing them a letter. And, but he says he wishes that he could be with them now. He wants to be there. He wants to be with them in person to tell these people so that they hear him rightly. The chances of the Galatians misconstruing his words are lowered if he's with them in person. But Paul realizes that the right time to tell someone isn't ever going to come. He doesn't know. I'm not even sure if he knows when he's going to see them again. And he realized that the right time to tell someone the truth in love is right now. He could have waited until he saw them again, but he doesn't know. He doesn't know where the Church of Galatia would be at. He doesn't know their situation in a few years because he can't predict the future. And he knew that it is so much easier to have a conversation, albeit hard, on the front end than to clean up after a disaster has happened. The right time is right now. There will never be perfect circumstances. There will never be a perfect situation in which you are to tell someone the hard truth. If you wait for it to come, you're going to be waiting forever. It's never, it is never going to happen. So as, um, as the band starts to play, I just want, I want there to be a realization of where we all are in our lives. I, I want you to take a look at yourselves and see if this is, if any of this is true for your life. If you operate under the idea that I must truly love and I must love the truth. I want you to take just some time by yourself 
and see if there's someone in your life who you are avoiding a hard conversation with because you don't want to hurt their feelings or you're afraid of what they will think about you. Future, someone's future is so much more important than their feelings because feelings, feelings are temporary. Feelings come and they go. They're here today and sometimes gone tomorrow, sometimes gone the next day. But our future, if we are eternal beings, then our future is forever. And if that's, if we're focused on now, then we'll always be focused on now. And tomorrow, the future will be so much more grim because we didn't have the hard conversations of today. So take some time and also just be, be honest with yourself. Is there something that you are avoiding in your own life that you, you don't want to deal with so you just bury it so far down that you don't even believe this thing to be true anymore? Ask God if you are not there to help you to love the truth and to truly love, not just in your own life for you, but so that you can have, so that you can help others have a brighter future that leads to Christ.